Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Romy Mac. Hey, this is Romy Mac, and you're listening to the Interview with Rome podcast. What up? Once again, it's on. This is Romy Mack, and welcome to another edition of Interview with Rome. Today, I have business and career expert uh, Micah Nixon on the show. You know, looking forward to it. You know, we kind of caught up a little bit before the you know the interview even started. Look, that seems like a very, very, very bright individual, and that uh, and again, we're going to explore her mind and just see you know where she's coming from and what she does in her day to day life, and you know, have some fun with it. So, without further ado, let me bring um, Micah onto the show. Micah. Welcome, welcome hey. to the show. How you hey, doing? What's going on? Not much, yo. So anyway, how's the day going? My day's been good, very productive. My Mondays, I usually just plan. I don't work Mondays. That's the thing. I feel like it's still the weekend. Honestly, I don't yeah. care what anybody thinks. Exactly. How can I come off of a weekend and just go straight to work? It's very difficult. So I just decided Mondays will be my day of ex- planning how I'm going to execute the week. So that's how I spent today planning what my action will be for the rest of this week and and it was kind of rainy today but for the most part it was a nice day well, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, because I you know earlier today I went out and you know got some release therapy by just being out at being out at South Beach and you know how can anyone get therapy in such a noisy place? But it was good to just right. be out there, you know, it's by the beach, yeah, yeah. It was, it was good to just be out there by yourself, you know, be alone in thoughts and just trying to clear your mind from all the I would say the hectic stuff that you have um, going on. But yeah. go, we'll go ahead and um, open up the you know the interview with who is Micah Nixon. So when I saw that question, I was like. Mm. I like questions that make me have to think a little harder than usual. Yeah. Um, I think it's very uh, complex. It's a complex question. Who is Micah Nixon? So I would like to go on and say everything that describes me, right? Okay. But I think on the grand scheme of things, who is Micah Nixon? Micah Nixon is someone who wants to leave a legacy, you know, someone who wants to not only support any dream that my uh anybody that i know or that is around me like i want to actually ignite a fire in people to actually do the things that they really want to do and you know find the passion however they they still find it you know and so i've always been super compassionate and very caring very loving very supportive with all of my friends like my brief story so my best friend got pregnant when I was a junior in college and I was in Tallahassee I went to FAMU all right um, shout out to the Rattlers yeah I went to, and she was in Fort Lauderdale and so I was like we talking on the phone and she was like oh my water broke I was like yo what do you mean she was like yeah I'm just gonna finish curling my hair though she was super chill about it <laughs> and I was like on 10 I'm like yo you need to call your mom where's my little you need to hurry up she was like okay girl let me call you back she was so calm I still can't believe that I was more hyped in that moment than she was so literally jumped in my Honda 
and I drove from Tallahassee to Fort Lauderdale in five hours and 45 minutes. And I, I missed my goddaughter's birth by two hours. Oh, wow. Literally, like, I just, I go in. I go in for the people I love. So, Mike and Nixon is supportive, and she is down for the cause when it comes to my friends and my family. I don't play about those individuals. But, yeah. So where do you come from? Where did you where did you grow up rather? So I was born in Dallas. So shout out to the Cowboys. Uh, no, I know I they, live in Miami. This interview is over. This interview <laughs> is over. Uh cow, no cowboy. No, no, go ahead. Oh, uh, right. I get it. I get it. I totally understand. So yeah, so we moved when I was like two. So I've basically been raised um in um Fort Lauderdale for my whole life. But you know, I go back to Dallas maybe Two, two to three times a year, actually. I've been going back way more now that I've become I'm older. You know, it's more things to kind of celebrate. You know, my my grandfather, my grandma are getting older. Our family reunions are becoming kind of like abundant. So we're, we we keep having these reasons to, to go back and get together. So, yeah, I've been back and forth, but I have been, you know, raised and stationed in Fort Lauderdale. So... Yeah, I call myself Texas slash Floridian right. in that order. <laughs> All right, so you would technically be like Michael Irvin in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Him, <laughs> him being from Fort Lauderdale and him being so invested in that that franchise that will go unnamed on this show. Right, you know right, right. <laughs> no, right, just right. just messing. So uh, let everybody know what it was like growing up in Fort Lauderdale then for you. Growing up in Fort Lauderdale, I had a very, I had a great childhood. Honestly, like the neighborhood that I grew up in, like you know, I was a tomboy. I was a girl in the in the in the neighborhood that wanted to play football with everybody, wanted to race. Like I was very active. I played with dirt and frogs. Like you know, I wasn't really a, a girly girl, I guess, but I was super active. Like I was always in something. Eighth grade, I played a, I played flag football, but I also went to the chiropractor. I was very involved in church growing up. So you know, I did the whole youth ministry, and we went on trips. I did so much community service so you know growing up in Fort Lauderdale honestly I've met probably the most genuine people that I know today like we're still friends like majority of the people that I met I've been cool I've been close with since eighth grade so I've had a beautiful experience growing up here honestly I've you know I've grown to love the beach to death that is my serenity um you went to the beach today I was very jealous when you told me that you know but you know I just really appreciated the cultural differences that I was able to be exposed to because of that I feel like I am more accepting of people who aren't like you know and so it's easy for me to just go out of town and meet somebody new because honestly it's a crazy melting pot down here majority of my friends are not American they're from different islands and so that in itself like the 
food and oh, yeah. oh god i love food in South definitely Florida. definitely Woo! definitely food food down here yes, the differences man. Food uh, down here hands down oh love it so growing up growing up in Fort Lauderdale has been actually really great for me you know so yeah okay we'll let, we'll let the people know and our listeners know um what it is the the business that you that you do okay so um i call myself the millennial business and success expert because i don't only focus on entrepreneurs so i started my journey with my youtube show called millennials on the move so i interview millennials who have their own businesses they are they have their own nonprofit organizations and i kind of wanted to shed light on you know the hidden gems that are around us right so you want to support the lebron jameses who start their school you want to support the Dwayne ways who start foundations you know what i'm saying all these great things that happen from people that are you know basically famous right and so i wanted to kind of build a platform so that you know the regular joes could be like you know what i can start a business and let me get insight from somebody who's gone through it you know what i'm saying it's a chinese proverb that my mentor always says to roll to know the road ahead you must ask those coming back and so what i wanted to provide for everyone is kind of like a like a, a exclusive look into the life of an entrepreneur those who honestly still work nine to fives and still have small businesses and they're up and running and they're making profits and things like that. So that's how it started. I was just like, you know, I've been mentored from Fran Harris, who was a multimillionaire. She played in the WNBA. She was a sportscaster. She's written crazy amount of books and she just so happens to be my aunt, you know? And so I love stuff in that situation. So all of this, all of this um, information I've been soaking in from, from her for years, she coached me, she mentored me. So I know a lot about how to start a business, how to get started with your side hustles, the steps you need to take, and um, how to market yourself online. So I decided to branch out and, and become a consultant for those who want to do so. Yeah. And so that's what I do now. Um, that's the major part of my brand that I'm trying to grow. Now you the millennials to, you know, get out there and start making that income passively, you know, making it in your sleep, doing something that you love making a course online so that's what i'm pushing now and everything that i do when it comes to millennials and business it's something that i've been going through too right so people like to feel connected to those who are helping them those who share you know similar experiences so i'm like as i'm going through this with the different clients that i have and i'm i'm still growing as a business person you know so it's just been kind of like a full circle for me you know i just care so much about people and you know making better financial choices but in order to do that you gotta have money and you gotta have money that's not like living paycheck to paycheck money and so just kind of helping them think outside the box the bigger picture credit yes cool but what if you don't have to use credit because you have enough money you know what i'm saying like i'm just trying to get them to understand the level of importance when it comes to creating your own income and your success so that's my mission of millennials on the move and being the millennial business in career. All right. Well, you seem to cover the next two questions, so I'm going to skip Boom. those. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, you, that was that was smooth how you did that right there. But uh, I'm going to ask you this: How long have you been doing your podcast? My podcast. I, so I've been doing my podcast for two weeks. Right. My YouTube show I've been doing since 2016. 
Okay. And it's it started on YouTube, and now I have opened up more platforms, and so it's just not a YouTube show. It's actually a podcast as well. All right. So what do you find the hardest when conducting podcasts and conducting YouTube shows? Ah, the hardest. Honestly, it's finding people. Not even going to front. Like, talking is just easy for me. You know, like, people are interesting. And I love discussions. I love getting to know people. So that part is piece of cake. But finding these individuals, you know, like, I had to slow down my YouTube show I used to do one, like, every Friday, right? So in 2016, like, starting January 1st, I had a millennial every Friday for, like, 20 weeks straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was set, and then it started to slow down. And so people usually send me entrepreneurs. They send me people who own nonprofits, organizations, who have started foundations or whatever. So it was easy in the beginning. And then I was like, yo, who's going to be my next guest? Like, how do I, where do I start, right? And so um, the hardest thing would be finding people. And then I don't want to say finding quality people, but obviously I just said it. But honestly, finding quality people who have a standing business or nonprofit, you know what I'm saying, who are not just, and they're scamming us. You know, like you want quality people on your show because you want people to be invested and you want them to, you know, have quality. So it started getting difficult. And even for my podcast, I just changed my mindset. So then I switched up how I did it. So now I have two a week and I have an interview for um, my millennials on the move YouTube. We have two a month. So I'm still creating content and I'm still making sure that it's quality, but at the same time, I just changed the way that I was thinking about finding these individuals and I just put myself out there. So I'm DMing people, like I'm messaging people, people are sending people to me, like I have just changed the way that I thought about it because, you know, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have, people have their bios in their links. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I can easily find someone to be on my podcast or my um, YouTube show. But getting them to say yes, depending on how many followers they have, like, uh, yeah, if you got over 50K, I'd still be shooting my shot. I'm not going to front. You yeah. got to shoot your shot. But, you know, I think that will probably be my next challenge is getting people to respond to me. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. And that's and that's what same for me, too, because uh, there's a yeah. couple couple people that uh i've tried to reach out to just i mean what's the worst they're gonna say like it was it was one lady that had like uh i don't know her view her followers i wouldn't i didn't really care how many followers she had she had a great deal of many when i looked up but just like i saw the people she was around and i think she was like i think she was in like in radio broadcasting or something so i was just like hey ma'am i forgot whatever her name was but i was like so so what would what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out like running a podcast you know what i'm saying and she was just like you know just staying with it create and content and and that's that's roughly all she said and i was because i had said if i asked her if she would want to be on the show she didn't really say nothing about that but she did give oh. you know yeah she, she bought a way to skip by that i you know i didn't want to call her out on that but uh right. if i remember who she is in the future and then once i have once i'm established i'm like you know i remember when you did this you know what i'm saying i will joke about it but you know it's, it's nothing you know what i'm saying it's just like i i'm i'm not there yet you know and i know i still feel like even even with two years into doing this i feel like an intern you know what i mean Right, right. So you know, just it's just a matter of just you know working on your craft, sharpening right. the knives. So whenever it can come time to like the the battle that we're ready, you know, whenever opportunity knocks. So okay, well, so so I know you say you mentor kids. So how is it working with working with kids? So my, I've been 
babysitting since I was like 13. Um, I've always had a love for children. Like they just intrigue me. They're my favorite people on the planet. I have the most patience for them. You know, I just have this love for kids. And it's just like, you know, I feel like I was just built for this, right? So, you know, mentoring kids, I didn't start until 2000 and like, like mentoring like that is my title I didn't start doing that until like 2013 when I when I graduated from FAM so I joined this program called City of Miami if anyone who has graduated from college they need to sponsor me if anybody has graduated from college and they have no idea what to do or they just want to take a year off joining City Year um, honestly will they, they pay your loan they give you a grant at the end of your service but it gives you an inside scoop on the school system but also into the lives of middle school kids who are potentially on the verge of dropping out right so i was a i wasn't a savior because we weren't there to save them but we were helped to aid them in you know that thing they called you know adolescence right so i was there from the time school started to the time school ended the program had me basically doing interventions with the lowest 35% of the school, math and reading. But also we had to do behavior mentoring at lunchtime. So you have your little groups and you guys discuss, like, you know, so it's the social, the socio-emotional um, component of mentoring, right? Seeing where they, they are mentally, how they are connecting emotionally, things like that. So when I had... And, and like a, a, a exact impact that like really was like oh my god I'm supposed to be doing this like one of the girls that I met probably like the first day of school she was holding this boy's hand mind you these are 12 year olds she's holding his hand and she gave him a kiss I was like excuse what what you just kissed you just kissed the a boy in front of a teacher essentially like I would I was never that brave I would never have done that and so she kind of like rolled her eyes at me I'm like okay so it, that, it was what it was. Yeah. And so the next day, you know, um, I was um, monitoring the cafeteria. And then she looks at me, she sizes me. And if anybody doesn't know what sizing means, basically she looks me from head to toe yeah. with a stink, resting B-word face. So she, she sized me, and I was just like, what is this? So I was like, you know what? Teachable moment. I'm not, I'm not 12. So what's the point of me getting an attitude with a 12 year old? I'm an adult. So let me handle this how an adult should handle it. So I sit next to her and I'm just like, um, did I do something to, you know, hurt your feelings or is there something that I need to apologize for? So I'm, I'm sure she wasn't expecting that because she goes, no. I said, okay, I just want to know, you know, sometimes you look at me a certain way, but I just want to make sure. I didn't do anything to give you the impression that I tried to hurt your, your feelings intentionally. Let me know if I do. We can handle this like adults. You can come talk to me about whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying all this trying to take the high road. She still rolled her eyes and was like, whatever. I said, cool. Okay, I did my part. So the day goes by. And then after school, we do tutoring. So I'm tutoring in the lab after school. And somebody says, Miss Micah, somebody's here to see you. And I was like, who? And so they tell me her name, and I'm just like, uh, okay. So I went out there, and I'm just like, what's going on? She was like, remember when you said I could talk to you like an adult? I said, yeah, I do remember saying that. She was like, well, it's not you. I just feel like my mom just, and then she just started venting, right? So it yeah. had nothing to do with me. Her attitude, everything, it wasn't about me. 
And so the moment that I realized mentoring changes people people's lives, you know what I'm saying? Like, she just needed somebody to talk to and did not know how to stay. So the moment that happened, I was like, yo, I'm sold. I'm mentoring for the rest of my life. You know, like, I just get so filled with the intrinsic reward, you know what I'm saying, of yeah. being able to help somebody get through something that's so difficult, especially when they feel like they have nobody. Yeah, so, it's... you know, I did not. Before working with that middle school, I did not like middle school kids. I just wanted the zero to five-year-old babies, the ones that listened and loved you no matter what you said, and no talk back, no logic, no nothing. But after you know working at that middle school, it just changed my perspective of that age group, and now I can work with any age group. So there was some growth that happened on my end. I was judging them way too hard. So mentoring is super rewarding. That's what it sounds like. What would you say is the best part about the many jobs that you have? But I would say ultimately all together, your job, your main job. What is the best part about your your job in your opinion? That I can work whenever I want. I can go and come as I please. I can go out of town and still be working. I can go to the beach and still work. I can literally go and come as I please. I can wake up whenever I want. I can go to sleep whenever I want. It's just the luxury of being on my own time. I am my own boss. That is that feeling is unmatched. Unmatched. Like 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 I said earlier, Monday is not a regular weekday for me. Monday is is planning how you're going to execute your week. Most people go to work on Monday and that's cool, you know what I'm saying? But I just create what works for me. And that is the most rewarding part of all of this. To be completely honest, I set my own schedule and yeah, I answer to myself. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So what is the worst part about your job? You know, I think the worst part of my job is I'm the only one doing it. Um, I don't have most friends that have the same lifestyle as me. So my free time and their free time is it looks drastically different. You know, so when I want to, let's just say, maybe go out to eat or hang out or maybe go on a trip or something like that, you know, their schedules are just different from mine, you know, and then the struggles that I have kind of don't go with the struggles they have. So I'm working on website maybe two times out of the week. And so the technical support that goes with that and me troubleshooting if something doesn't code correctly or whatever the case is, like, you know, we just have different struggles. But I think because I'm the only person full-fledged, 100% entrepreneur, they can't really relate to me, you know? Yeah. They can't wholeheartedly relate to me. And that's where networking events come in. And it kind of helps meet people who are doing what I'm doing, not exactly what I'm doing, um, but the entrepreneur role, you know what I'm saying? Like, just making their own schedules and trying to basically be your own boss, that's really hard, you know, because I have to keep myself accountable. You know, when I drop the ball, nobody's there to say, oh, you're fired, but if I say, you know what, girl, it's cool, and pat myself on the back, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm also not growing. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a small downfall to it because if your discipline isn't on point, then you can definitely fall in a hole of, you know, you living life as free as a bird, but, you know, you got bills, sis. So you need to make something shake, you know? So that would probably be the hardest part is that I'm the only one doing what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. Okay. So you had mentioned earlier, obviously, that you are a rattler. So I want to yeah. ask you, what what are some of your favorite college college memories? Favorite college memories? Oh man, 
Fridays. Any family is listening to this, set Fridays. Literally, like, it's a huge block party in the middle of our campus on Fridays. The DJ comes out. They have different vendors selling different shirts and family apparel and you know, they got the barbecue man on the side of the road. Like, just the whole fellowship of the fellowship. You know, I like that word. Uh, the fellowship yeah. of the campus. <laughs> like, everybody's there. Like, you got the Delta strolling. You got the Q strolling. Like, just the culture, you know what I'm saying, of FAMU and going to a historically black, a historically black college and university. It's just like none other, honestly. Like, I miss every part of FAMU and so a memory that just stands out to me is the set Friday set Friday was a very big deal like you skip you skip class to go to the set you know what I'm saying like it was just a big deal you know and so another memory from college is kind of like living on my own and making it work you know so living in my apartment and paying bills like a 19 year old paying rent you know and making sure you're budgeting properly like I felt like I was doing something right you know what I'm saying like it just felt good to not necessarily have the quote-unquote know-how of rent because you know you live with your mom and your dad or your guardian your grandma whatever they don't really bother you with bills that at least that was my I'm not gonna speak for everybody else that was just my experience I was very money conscious they told me what was going on but I didn't have to worry about anything and then I go to college and I just have to grow up real quick right so I think the opportunity that I had to basically adult, I nailed it. And I didn't nail it effortlessly, but I pretty much nailed it. I, I'm back in one piece. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not in debt. I didn't get evicted. You feel me? I pay my bills on time. Like, yeah. So definitely just being, just growing up, Tallahassee, like, actually getting my first taste of what it feels like to be an adult. I didn't, I didn't write this down, the question, but I think it's important okay. for like the young listeners, especially the young, young black listeners that are, mm-hmm. are making their decisions going into like uh, higher learning and stuff like that. So why would right. you choose? Why is, why do you feel like, do you, or, or I guess I'll ask you this. Um, is it important to you that you attend more a, uh, or you prefer uh, t- attending a black college versus a historical black college versus, you know, the traditional university? Mm, so that's going to be, that's where perspective comes in, right? Okay. Um, everybody's going to have a different opinion when it comes to this, but personally I feel because I wanted to grow a, a love, a different type of love for my people that I feel like I didn't have. You know what I'm saying? Like I, for the most part, I went to black schools my whole life. Um, private school, first and seventh grade, they were all black. My mid, I was homeschooled maybe one year in middle school, eighth grade, I went to kind of like a multicultural, but for the most part, 95% black. So I've attended black schools my whole life. But the whole stigma behind, oh, if you go to an HBCU, that means that when you graduate, your degree is incredible and blah, 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 just because it's a black, it's so much controversy that goes into that. And I know that's why a lot of kids are scared to go to HBCUs 
because they feel like when they apply for a job and they see Howard or they see FAMU or they see um, Savannah, they're going to be like, oh, your degree does not compare to an FSU degree. Your degree is not comparable to a UF degree. You know what I'm saying? So that is just basically what this country was built on. And I'm not going to go off the rail on, uh, in the, you know, institutional racism and all that jazz. But what I will say, I just wanted to be taught by black professors. Like that meant something to me. You know what I'm saying? So that was an individual thing that I wanted to experience and um, just grow a deeper, a grow a deeper love for my culture. I was not really into black stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like if I can, you know, I guess break it down. It's just like, you know, the whole black history facts, Martin Luther King, uh, Maya Angelou, Jenna Chu, Malcolm X, like, you know, the typicals, but I just wanted to know more about who I was, you know, and I felt like the best way to do that is to be educated from people who look like me, you know? So for those kids who are struggling, choosing what university to go to, I wouldn't necessarily say write off HBCUs because you think that your degree won't matter when you actually start applying to these jobs because you are going to matter in that interview not what your degree says now it may hold some type of weight it may have a, a clout behind it if you attended florida state and let's just say the person that's interviewing you is also a seminole right but also that person could could be an hbcu graduate you know what i'm saying so i just want people to go to college for the reason they want to go to college and choose the one that resonates with what you want to what experience you're trying to get out of it you know if you're trying to go to law school go to the best law school you know what i'm saying like if you want to be a pharmacist go to the best program that has the that has the best pharmacy program you know what i'm saying so i think kids need to focus on the why when they're choosing the college not the where you know, so I'm all for HBCUs and um, I definitely feel like they, I just don't want to see them go. So we need people to go to them, you know. So if you want to attend HBCU, go ahead. It's, it's an amazing experience. Yeah, so Pumpkin, my daughter, if you're listening, uh, take heed and listen to what this young lady has, uh, has, has mentored you on about that and know that i love you if you are listening to this i miss you too and um Hello. yeah so uh, about two more business related and then we're going then we're going to switch to like the personal personal side so where's where's one place you would like to visit in the world and and why west africa my mom just did african ancestry my brother did ancestry and because i am such a proud african-american woman i think if I'm going to travel somewhere, you know, I can go anywhere, but I want to go there. I want to go to West Africa. I want to go where it started. You know what I'm saying? So when I find a specific location in Africa, like West Africa, that I want to go to that my tribe may resonate with or my family may be, our, our ancestors may like be from like specifically, then that's where I would want to go. Right now, maybe Cameroon, Uganda, possibly... The Congo, yeah. So, like, in that area, West Africa, definitely. Okay. Um, and uh, lastly, so how do you feel about social media and the consequences that come with using it for business and personal reasons? Yo, so, dang. So, social media in itself, it's supposed to be social, right? So, right. I'm super excited that people are able to express themselves. Those who felt like they couldn't talk 
to people before because having conversations, I guess, is getting super difficult for people to do. So social media is an outlet, and I think that it's a, it's a great outlet. Um, but I also think it can get you in trouble. I also think oversharing is a thing now. I feel like, you know, no one really feels anything because everything is just always on front street. You're always scrolling seeing the news like what's happening in the news like you are super wrapped up in you know the the limelight and famous people and what they're doing how many kids they're having you know what i'm saying like you just have such this overload of socializing essentially you know it's like it may take away from where you're trying to go where you are going because you're so caught up in it but i do i'm so 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 appreciative of the business aspect of social media because it's a platform for businesses it's a platform for people who are trying to get their products out there who are trying to market in a different way market to a different audience you know what i'm saying like social media and business has changed the game like every company is on social media and if they're not they're not probably surviving how they're surviving and thriving how they should be you know it's the way of the world that's where it's going everything is social media social media so if you are in business get into it you need to figure out how to do facebook ads you need to figure out how to do run ads on instagram you need to figure out how to campaign like those things are really important because that's the way business is going so on one end of the social end yes i appreciate social media but Personally, it could possibly screw you over in the end if you overshare your feelings on politics, your feelings on racism, your feelings on um, the, you know, uh, LGBTQ community. Like, you just have to be very sensitive of other people because it, if, especially if you're not, a pri if you don't have a private account, anybody can find that stuff. And you and I were having that conversation. Yeah. You know, you're going to be chilling in your penthouse, you know, living life ten, 10 years from now. Right. Somebody scrolls up to see something that you tweeted when you were 11, 12, 14, and you get something taken away from you, you know, because you chose to share how you felt on your social media, you know, so... Yes, it's yours, and use it how you want, but just know consequences follow when your status changes. And that's, you know, all I'll say about that. But business-wise, thank you so much, social media. <laughs> thank yeah, you so much. For sure. All right, well, that's the business side. Let's, uh, let's you know, someone get kind of personal learning uh, more and more about, about Michael cool. Nixon. All right, cool. so what is your favorite song at the moment? My favorite song? Hmm. You know, do I have a favorite song? I don't think I have a favorite song. You know a song that I blast really, really loud and roll my windows down? Miguel on his Kaleidoscope Dream album. It's called The Thrill. I don't know what it is about that song. I, I think it's the music in it. And it just, it makes me feel. Music used to make, it doesn't make me feel as much as it used to. You know, my mom, yeah, my dad is super old school, you know what I'm saying? So, Heisley Brothers, Shoot, Indy, I read, John the Legend, uh, what is it? The Ohio Players, like I am Bar a super old school com kid. Confunction, um, Blue Magic. Yeah, right. you can go there. I yeah. am a super old school kid. So yeah. it's like You a child of funk like me. Yeah, a child for of funk. Real, like me. Yo, me and, and like I don't feel how yeah, I used to feel. Exactly. But that song makes me feel something. Mm -hmm. And I blast it really loud. It doesn't matter where I am, who's looking at my window so they are not tinted, you know, that is this is my jam. 
It's yeah. my jam. Yeah, me and my brother, I, I, I coined us, like, you remember Master P, uh, growing up, had a group, had an R&B group called Sons of Funk. I, that's pretty much what I call me and my brother being raised, <laughs> being raised Sons under my dad. Yes. You know what I'm saying? My dad, um, yeah, those records were played constantly. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely get the, like the, like the difference of growing up with it and not even being brought up in that time when the music was released, but having to know, but me, I was a, you know, I'm a historian. So I'll look and see when something was released and look and kind of put myself in that mindset of where music was, you know what I'm saying? At that time and look and look at where we are now. Like, yeah, yeah, the soul is left. The soul is definitely gone. I don't feel like we've had R and B in a very, very long time. I feel like there's been music infused. Everything is infused with hip hop to the point right. where country music has hip hop right. in it you know what i'm saying so it's right. just like we're, we're, what are we doing here you know what i'm saying like everything right. everything is not was not meant to be one genre uh, you know what i'm saying i feel i feel like it should be everything should be different you know what i mean so that's that's just that's just you know my my perspective on that but um all right we're moving to the next thing so who is your best friend so cool things you asked me that i don't have one all right. And I had a serious best friend conversations with my group of best friends. I literally, literally is on my Instagram and I talked about the whole no new friends situation. And I made a post on Facebook a year ago. How can you have one best friend? I, it's perspective, you know, it's your prerogative. If, you know, this is just the way I feel, so don't come for me. I, there's no way I can have one. I, I have, wait, let's see, how many do I have? I have four, yep. And we grew up together. We're all best friends. It's like a best friend group thing going on. So, yeah, I don't have one. All right. I'll make this. I'll make this. uh, I'm gonna put a little pressure on you. So if you were to, so if you were to get married, um, who Ah! is the maid of honor? Okay. I hope you guys are listening. I hope they're listening. I hope they are listening right now. They are. They're going to listen. (laughs) So you know, I've been in four weddings, and I've been a bridesmaid in four weddings, and. What I've noticed is that people choose maid of honors based on how long they've known the person, right? It's like seniority. But how good of a be- how good of a person has that person been to you, and how well do they plan? Okay, yeah. if we want to really dissect what a maid of honors duties are, they are your right hand man. They talk to the bridesmaids. They coordinate things. They make sure things run smoothly. You are not supposed to be bothered on your wedding day or leading up to that point. Yeah. Maid of honor has to be organized to the T. Now, if I can say, Leah, if you're listening, you already know you plan seamlessly, right? So it honestly would be, it would probably be her. Right. Because her, organ, her organizational skills and her ability to plan is crazy. Um, but Leah, Leah. Hey girl, she has a tendency, you know, to not have patience with people who she feels like is is basically BSing or not responding a certain way. So she may snap on a few people, you know. And I don't necessarily want there to be any like like saltiness going on. So it's like, you know what? You gotta take Leah with a grain of salt because she's gonna tell you how it is and she's gonna tell you what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and if you don't follow through, you're probably gonna get cut. So she's a little cutthroat, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, uh, I need cutthroat, but at the same time, ah, she's the best planner, bro. Like, at at this point, it's, it's it's a run 
it's a runner-up between her and Erica. And I've known Erica for forever. She also plans very well. She's a manager at Six. And honestly, it'll probably be, I'll probably make them both do it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I just think they work well together. I got they, you. I don't know. Well, you got me. Well, so so your situation, you ain't gonna have a situation like Martin with Tommy and, and Cole, like where you know what I'm saying, yeah, knowing who is like you known longer or whatever, like you know we going back to like second nah, man, second grade, no y'all not having no no no, no, no snap no snappy junior nothing, they, they ain't gonna pull up with a snappy junior little turtle in a box no, with you no know, holes no, in No man, we ain't doing that no more. Just, <laughs> honestly, just think about the role that person has to play. Is the person you've known the longest? Are they organized? Yeah. Are they gonna follow through? Are people do they procrastinate with their own stuff? Like you want that day to be seamless, bro. Like yeah. I don't want to have to turn into a bridezilla because I chose the person I knew since fourth grade, but she can't even organize the meeting for everybody to join. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and I told, I, I told them all this. So I told them every wedding I was in, I was like, look, this is how mine is gonna go. I hope y'all, I hope y'all ain't salty about it. But I'm choosing based on the role and the responsibilities, not who is gonna be what and how long I've known you. I'm sorry, that's just what it is. So, all right, well, <laughs> ladies, y'all heard it. You know what I mean? You guys can discuss this amongst yourselves, and if you agree, <laughs> disagree, and take, and take yeah, it. Right. Like, no, I and, still think and, I need to be made a part of. But take it up. They're with, pretty cool about it. Yeah. You know, they're gonna be in it regardless. So yeah, take it up with the know. bride. So, but uh, so let me ask you the next question. Do you? Do you drink? And if so, what's your drink of choice? So yes, I do drink. Currently, it's tequila and lime juice because it has low calories, lower calories than any other liquor um, that I that I've consumed. Um, previously, it was whiskey, but whiskey's brown, it's fattening. So you know, I'm, so I'm still you know drinking, having a good time, but I'm now caring about the calorie intake when I am, you know, doing set activities. So, yeah, right. it's tequila, lime juice. Tequila and lime juice, all right. And the tequila is Casamigos. It's an organic tequila, and it's it's it's, it's great. Right. Very light. The aftertaste is barely there. All so, right, uh, healthy, healthy. All right, healthy alcohol promotion is what we got going right. on. Healthy alcohol <laughs> promotion. Right. Uh, so, what, what's one of the worst things you've ever gone through in your life? Now, I need you to define, define what you mean by worst. Like the, I guess it's like it's something that you really didn't think you would get through. Like it was, I guess, a pain, uh, or it's, you know, that's just something you, yeah, something you went through in your life. An event, like an event, like a, uh, I guess, yeah, um, like a, like a bad event that that occurred. I don't know, maybe. Right. Like. So, uh, so okay, so I was talking to my mom about this question because the way that I cope is healthy, right? Like, I've always been super open about my feelings. Like, I cry at the drop of a dime. Like, if I'm hurt, I'm crying. Like, that's it. Like, tears, I'm ugly, I'm looking in the mirror, my face is puffing up. Like, and I have to talk, right? So, when I think about the worst, like, I've, I've been in a couple of situations that have been like, dang, but honestly, I don't have life-changing pain that's happened to me but the one thing i feel like i can come back to is like breaking up with a childhood boyfriend mm. that i really didn't want to break up with but i had to like that's the that, 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 that i feel like the, those turn of events changed me to who i am today um we think about our high school sweethearts and we think about love at age 16 17 18 and it's just so pure and you just have no responsibilities and you're just so in love with each other but you're not mature and you're not even who you 
are going to end up being, you know? So you're constantly growing. Sometimes you're growing apart. You know, the whole stupid arguments and the and the unhealthy way of communicating with each other, like, that was really hard for me, you know? Like, and then I had a, it was long distance as well. So that relationship was tough to end, but I had to do it. It was just unhealthy. We were too far gone. And I think that was the moment where it was like, okay, I'm... I need, I'm not going to just be in a relationship just to be in one. I need to actually be happy. And it needs to actually be healthy, not just because I love him or whatever that means. You know what I'm saying? So I I was able to grow up after the breakup. And it, it did change my life. Like, it changed how I viewed myself, my confidence level, my, my insecurities. Like, everything that that relationship was basically molded me to who I am today. And I'm thankful for it, to be completely honest. Like, I'm glad it happened when it did. Um, it just made me realize my worth and, and, and what I deserve, you know? And so, am I confident in being alone? And that being okay, you know? So, yeah, I would say that would that was the worst, having to, to end something that I felt was going to be forever. So, that being said, talking about the breakup, so we'll just talk about dating in general. Do you still believe that chivalry still exists in our society? I do, because my boyfriend <laughs> is uh, he's a chivalrous. I don't know how to make him a chivalry. He's, he's like that, you know, opens the doors, closes the doors. Am I okay? He's a gentleman. Do I think it still exists? Yes. Um, do I think we see examples of it? No. Honestly, I dated a guy before my boyfriend, and she basically was opening my car door every time we went to the car. I'm like, and mind you, I never said you don't have to do that. You know, like, I feel like some women, you just want to be so tough. You say, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. Like, no, sis, it's just a door. Like, let him open it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not patronizing you. He's not belittling your intelligence. It's not, not nothing like that. He just wants to open the door, right? So he opened the door. I was like, thank you. Like, it was a shocker, you know, because that, that hadn't happened in a very long time. So I don't think it's dead, but I do think it's drifting because some women are are drifting away from it. They're not used to it, so it's uncomfortable. And remember, when you're not used to something, you don't know how to respond to it. So when someone opens the door for you, you be like, no, nah, I'm good, I got it. Or, no, you don't have to do that because she's not used to it. Not that she doesn't want it, she's just not used to it. So I think the male response to that is like, oh, well, they don't like that no more. So we don't have to do it. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. I think it's one of those, you know, reactions reactionary responses to what's what, what's going on with chivalry they think women don't like it and women feel like they may be being patronized and they don't want their door open or closed anymore like you know so society has changed society is changing the roles are being reversed switched back in all which ways um but no i don't think it's dead i just think you know the representation for it is just not as apparent Okay. Well, on the subject of uh, dating, of course, you mentioned you're in a relationship, but we want to discuss what is one of the worst dates that you've been on in, in, uh, in your life? The worst dates? Oh, my God, yo. So, first of all, when I, 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 I like to call myself, when I was single, a serial dater, because I believe dating is healthy, and I believe meeting new people just in general, when you are single, it's just fun. Like, it's just, it's time to live your life, whatever. So, guy asked me, he was like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? I'm like, sure. So, we go out to dinner. Yo, we had absolutely nothing in common. Like, I felt like he just kept saying the wrong stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I no, it's just, but it was crazy because I'm like, yo, this is really bad. <laughs> like, 
like and it's not even about agreeing with me it's not about a disagreement it's not about argument nothing like he did nothing obnoxious or whatever he just was so far from my type it was like sickening you know i was like wow i gotta go I gotta go, you know, I'll pay for it, fine, no, 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 please, thank you, and I just left, he just, I don't, I didn't feel like I had to stomach through a free meal, so I just paid for it and I left, like, it was horrible. Oh, I can, oh, God, I can horrible. honestly say in my years, in my adult years of dating, I've never had that before in my life. <laughs> Good for you, man. Yeah, that's like, I've never had like, to be like, okay, I need to, I need to go. I think the worst thing that happened to me, it was a blind date and I was doing a, a friend a favor. Shout out, right. to, shout out to Rashad. I, I was, uh, <laughs> it was a blind date. And he was talking to some some shorty. She was, um, I think she was, I think she was from Detroit. And we went to go see Tomb Raider and right. Tomb Raider Two, the second one with Angelina Jolie. And mm-hmm. we go to his uh, the whatever the Lady Adventurous house, and her friend comes out with her. And I'm be honest, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm some I would say, yeah, I'm shallow. I'm shallow. I, I, I know what I like. I know what I like. I know what the fuck I like. Excuse my language. Right. But right. you know, she was a little bit larger than I um than I wanted. But right. I, but I had a, I mean even then I think I was I had a girlfriend at the time and she knew I was like yeah I she knew about it I was going to support I was like what yeah oh, yeah okay. it wasn't no uh, yeah that's not that's not no pimping thing right there it was just like right. you know what I'm saying I'm just going to support uh you know my boy Rashad or whatever so we go I don't know I might I might have been with I don't know whatever anyway the date goes on and uh, she comes out the house and we get into Rashad's car right and I see her you know how like you know how like Smokey was when he saw Shorty. On Friday, uh, you know, the, you know Janet Jackson, Freddie Jackson type thing, and I'm not saying she was that completely large, but she was just bigger. Right. Than, she was just bigger than what. Bigger than what you wanted. Just, yeah, exactly. But she was bigger than what I want. But we're sitting right. in the car, and I got my phone, and this is like you got the Nokia phone with like snake on it back in the day. That's like one of my first uh, cell phones, and I shit you not, she jumps from the back. And she's like, oh, can I see your cell phone? I was like, from here on out, we are going to play this little game called Stay Away From Me. (laughs) I am am not about this life that that you're trying to create right now in this car. Because I was like, yeah, sure. But... I, but <laughs> I'm horrible. I was I, I was a I was a horrible um, teen teenager when it came to dating at certain certain points, especially if I felt like you was trying, you thought you was hot shit or something like that. So right, we're right. sitting That's there. Put him in yeah, we're sitting there in the theater. Rashad and his girl is the girl he's dating at the time is sitting up and and they're sitting like a and like maybe two rows closer than us, and it's just like I'm there with her. I am laying on four seats to keep her ass away from me. That is, like, this this is true. These are true stories. Uh, uh, like we went to MacArthur Mall. MacArthur Mall had just got built in um, back in back home in Hampton Road. Shout out to the seven five seven. And yeah, so that's you know that's I just thought I shared like one of my one of one of my worst uh, times with, with that. So do you believe Do you believe in love at first sight? I believe in infatuation at first sight. Mm.
but the guy that you're so infatuated, you will approach him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you start doing stuff you wouldn't normally do. You know, I don't call that love. I call that determined to look at this person all the time because he's just so that to you, right? Yeah. So you walk up to the guy, you ask for his number, and he gives it to you, and you're, like, melting. Like, oh, my gosh, it works. Like, you know, like, so I do believe in infatuation at first sight. Somebody can be so physically attractive to you that, you just cannot, and you have to have their number. That's why that's how I feel. Do you feel like you have to go to college to be successful? I don't, and it's a lot of millionaires out here, billionaires who have never stepped inside of a university or have never graduated from a university. I do believe we live in an age of innovation, and I do believe that if you find your passion, that is amazing because you can capitalize on it. But if you don't have passion, if you're not talented, you can find something that's already doing well, revamp it, and make it your own, and become a millionaire. You can create syrup, uh, a sauce for a restaurant. Like, there's so many ways to, you know, make it out here. And I don't feel like having a degree is going to stop you from making it. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I don't believe that college is necessary to do, but I do think that college is exposure that I feel people need to think on a different level than what they're used to thinking on. Only because different people from everywhere are going to the university or college that you go to. So you're, you're getting exposed to the way people think, they react, they respond to things, like how, how, how you have conversation how you disagree respectfully like it's you, you just grow up a little bit you know what i'm saying yeah. um so i think college teaches you a lot about life and yourself so i do think in that aspect just go if you don't graduate okay cool but go for the experience if anything you know so that's what i'll say about that okay so what's one of the biggest mistakes you've made in your life thus far hmm. one of the biggest but you know, probably not listening to my mentor when she told me I need to be doing what I'm doing right now in 2016. I didn't listen to her. I didn't necessarily feel like I had the answers, but I felt like I had the answers. And I felt like she could, she was telling me something that the person I was then wasn't ready to hear. Like, I just don't feel like I was mentally prepared for what she was trying to make me be. How excellent she was trying to make me be. Like... I was doubting myself and my abilities, although I knew a lot. I've been, I've experienced a lot of things. Like, I have accolades, I have, but I don't really talk about those things. You know what I'm saying? So I don't pat myself on the back. I'm super humble about the things that I've gone gone through and done because that's just something that I did. You know, it's not something to boast about. But not listening to her and being consistent and staying disciplined in what I thought was actually good for my business and my brand, that is probably... The, the biggest regret I have. Because I just had to start over, you know? Yeah. And I'm starting from square one, and I could be a mogul right now. I could be at the top of my game, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like things happen when they're supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't prepared for that, you know? Everything is, yeah, everything happens for a reason and happen when it's supposed to. And, yeah, you know, you know, so... We all get the same 24 hours to to make to make ourselves something. You know what I'm saying? Right, to, right, right. You got to decide how you how you spend that time and effort. Effort is everything. You know what I'm saying? You got to put forth that effort to, to getting where you want to be. It ain't gonna show exactly. up. It's not gonna show up at the door. So, so like, how do you feel about the current state of hip hop right now? Uh, you know, I feel like it's just trendy. That's all. Whatever is whatever is 
trending, whatever people can quickly come up with to, to make a hit based on a song that made a hit. It's just like, it's kind of like, it's repetitive. You know what I'm saying? And things have been done over and over before. People have sampled. That's not a new thing. We've been sampling for forever. But I think what's happening with hip-hop now is just trying to get get really big off of just kind of like one-hit wonders and hope that it, transgress, it, it, it transpires to something deeper. I don't think hip-hop is storytelling anymore. I think hip-hop is just kind of riding the wave of what people want to hear, riding the wave of someone else's success and trying to revamp it, but it's really the same thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not really a hip-hop person, per se. I'm more of an R&B, soul, indie type person so i may not be the right person to answer that question but i think being a hip-hop historian i think you got a pretty decent assessment of that it's very it's very trending right now yeah the the, the music is trending it's I, honestly it's been that way for like the last ooh, what are we Six in? years what are we in two what are we in 2019 it's been that way yeah. for the last 15 years to be honest oh, wow. as far as hip-hop yeah. goes mm-hmm. oh and, and you can look back at this because you were in college from what oh nine to Oh, 08 to 13. Oh, 08, so 08 to 13. So if you can remember your high school days, probably ninth grade or maybe eighth grade, T.I. was uh, get, starting to get a wave. So he came out with this music, what they call trap music. And then oh, right, right. which opened the door for trap music. And then Young Jeezy came out. And then everybody after Jeezy sounded like Jeezy. Couple of years, yep. couple of yep. years rolled by. T-Pain comes in here with this little auto-tune shit, and all of a sudden, you start hearing all these auto-tune yep. records. Yep. And then, we get to a point where Future comes along, and then everything sounds like Future. Everybody's, yep. Everybody raps the same like Future. And now, right. we have the Migos, who are here, and everybody sounds like the Migos. So, yep. I welcome to trending society. You get yeah. your, you gotta get yours, and then that is it. Right. That's what it seems like. You can definitely tell. Like the again, the soul is not in it. The soul is it. Like the the, the soul is missing uh, from at least the ones that they're making mainstream. Like there are people that are still putting their heart and soul into hip hop, but they're not being promoted. But the ones that these industry um, labels like to promote tend to be like the, the, the main front. They, there's just not much soul in, into it, so you really don't right, feel you right. don't feel it as much. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I mean, I. I say that, and then there's you know guys guys like Drake. You know Drake Drake. Uh, he definitely puts his heart and soul as sensitive as he is with yeah, his, he with does. his music. He but, know what he's doing. He capitalizing on women and our feelings. It's great because I mean he's been relevant for ten years. Yeah, it's man. not. Yeah. It's very few that have done so. Like Jay Jay Z right. did that. Not even Kanye was relevant for ten years. Well, you know, Beyonce has been relevant. I will tell you this about Beyonce. I just became a fan this year, and it was because of the live album. When I heard it, I was, and then I saw, and then I saw her. uh, You know, like with the documentary they got on Netflix. Right. I was thoroughly impressed. Because, I mean, I, I'm not able to sit and listen to an album of uh, Beyonce. I can watch her perform, but right. like, like live, but like sitting a studio album, yeah, I don't feel like I'm the dem- I'm not the target demographic for yeah, that. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, so, I mean, I can understand right. that, and but like, I give respect to the queen. Um, I, I mess with I, I mess with her fans all the time, talking about how, you know how she conducts interviews because she talks and chops. At least she did early in her career. I don't know if she's um you know a little bit more comfortable now of uh, doing doing that. But like if you listen to old Beyonce 
inter- yeah. interviews. It sounds like you know she talks like almost like what of a robot. You know, like I what yeah, do yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 you know just like, making sure she doesn't say the wrong probably, thing. Probably, like, pro- and, and probably so, probably perfectionist, so. Perfectionist, but it's just funny. Perfectionist is the thing that I guess. It's like if I, yeah. she doesn't want to ruin anything, but she's Makes very. Sense. Yeah, like stale. the way she handled that Taylor Swift incident was uh, nothing short of professional. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like Kanye, <laughs> Kanye coming on stage, and then she like make sure she have her moment. That's how you, you know, that's how you're supposed to move with that. Although t- Taylor Swift did copy her, uh, I think for her music video or something, she copied. Uh, she definitely did her performance. Yeah, or so her performance. Like, yeah, was just like you know homecoming. You know, and they say imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah. So, Cool, so it's like, yeah, respect. it was a great show. So, do your thing, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm it, not even mad. It's not it's, even good. She's an innovator, that's the point of innovation. Like, eight, get something, but you're supposed to do it better. Eight months, but, yeah, okay, eight months. Cool. It took her eight months to do it. It took her eight right. months to do it. Oh, I can tell you what I heard. I saw yesterday on Facebook before we, before we switch out, you know, me and you being both children of funk. The Brady Bunch cast were singing. Shining Star by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I just want you to imagine what that sound <laughs> sounded like. You don't have to tag me in that. Yeah. Done. Yeah, Thank for sure. You, you are going. You, <laughs> you, you are going you. to be like, what in the entire fuck is going yes. on? But it was. I was like, they really. I was like, Maurice White did not sign off on this. I know he couldn't have signed <laughs> off on this. They are. They are killing this thing <laughs> right now. But see, we'll see what else we want to ask before we get out of here. All right. Yeah. So, what do you feel is wrong with society, and how would you improve it? So that could be a loaded question because my society is basically Black America because that's who I interact with on a regular you know, day basis. Um, society as a whole, I do feel like we're becoming really sensitive and desensitized at the same time. When it comes to this overload of news and information, and obviously it's bad news, it's sad news, it's violent news, you know, things that have probably been happening for forever, but because technology has advanced, we're able to get it at our fingertips every waking moment, right? So I think we are overexposed to what's happening in the world and we have too much of a privilege to feel that we can speak on certain things that are not our business in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, and social media for one has made this happen. You know, like now we're able to comment on someone who is famous and the the the, the, the what's her name alicia curry they dragged oh, aisha, her. aisha curry aisha aisha, curry. Uh, yeah they dragged her you know and so i feel like mm. we're in a society where everybody's entitled right everybody's yeah. entitled to feel and say whatever they want to say to whoever they want to say it because of social media and because the the internet the it's, it's a you get to sit sit behind you know a phone and be disgusting and and racist and whatever mind you these these things were occurring before this happened right it's just at our fingertips and i feel like death has become a desensitized situation the whole thing that happened with nipsey people was chiming in that shouldn't have been chiming in somebody died you know what i'm saying regardless of what he did he died. Future dumbass said that he is just as influential as Nipsey Ru- uh, Hustle. I said Russell. Nipsey Hustle. 
He said he's just as influential. You better I sit. Can't. You better sit I your Scotty Pippen wife stealing ass down. I I can't. Yeah, I, I was, I was I like, can't. come on, man, like that's this ain't the time, this ain't the time, and then look, yeah. and then and little, that, that and, is the thing. It's not the time. It's not the time for most things people are doing in yeah. our society, and I and I have to keep going back to social media because it's it, it's creating this false sense reality. It honestly is, and so yeah. what I think we are struggling with is identifying with being human. It's time. I think we've always had that problem when it comes to differences in skin tone and ethnicity. We're all one race, by the way. We're just one race. We are different ethnic groups. We are the human race. That That's it. So when you start thinking about all these differences and people aren't respecting those differences that, that, that come with your skin tone or your culture or whatever, you know, we just are not seeing each other for being human and that is our major problem today is not being able to connect with humanity. Yeah. So I just need Kodak Jack. I'm gonna call him Kodak Jack. And he's gonna have to sit he's gonna have to sit all the way back with the with the trolling. That like the shit ain't funny no more. Just like for relax, man. Like you're gonna end up getting like the way he was trolling trolling T I a couple weeks ago and talking about his kids was ugly, his wife was ugly and Oh yeah, Lord. And, but you know, and that's another thing. I feel like where you're, how you were raised is how you basically respond and respond to people, right? So it's very difficult for me to like, mind you, I do feel like he just should just stop talking. Like J. Cole said it the best. I wish he had a mentor. I wish he had better guidance. That's all. Because he doesn't have anyone in his corner telling him the right thing to do. You know what I'm saying? So that goes from that 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 hits a sensitive area to me because it's like people go through things and the way that they're raised and their environment very well, you know, affects the way that they handle people in their lives and situations. And he's from Pompano. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Is. Like this is how they deal with beef, mind you, because he's a he's big now. You know, it's a it's a like a public thing, but he's been handling stuff like this. But now that he is in the limelight and he's dealing with other people in the limelight, he's, he, just, been, he's just doing what he's been all doing. All I know is you know that, that we just we just lost a young a young a young man last uh, yesterday in Sunny Isles, you know, in front of the Trump International Resort. Is some somebody named ba something Bands? I don't know some Chicago rapper with the last name Bands in it, but he was killed. Um, oh wow! Just on, I'm pretty sure on nothing. You know what I'm saying? And because he's not as big as you know Nipsey Hussle. People aren't going to value his death, but right. a man died. You know what I'm saying? A yeah, young, a young man definitely. died on on probably on some on some silly shit. And they yeah. shot at NBA. I guess some guy named NBA Youngboy. I'm not. I'm not too familiar with like a lot of the the current artists. I'm uh, I'm like like as far as their music, but I'm aware of like their names and stuff like in the industry. But right. them being so you know just being so young out here and getting involved in shit that's not even going to matter two yeah. years from now, let alone you know what I'm saying ten years. And like he, they shot at him. They didn't get him. They they hit his girlfriend. His girlfriend was shot. Is the story, and this is the same. And that and that Chicago rapper, I think, was with him at the time. So he gets he gets popped off, and then the bodyguard, I think, shot the suspected person who shot who shot at them. 
So I mean, it's just a whole a whole lot of like, what for? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, yeah, what, what are you definitely. doing? What is the whole reason behind all this shit? Why why do you hate me so much? Is the question? Yeah. Do you hate? Why do you hate me enough to shoot me? Yeah. But that's that's yeah. you know something that's gotta something that's gotta change in this society, especially with social media, you know, egging everything up. I'm, I'm right. so glad that when I was in middle school, I was in middle school when Pac and Big was 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 killed. So I'm thankful that there was no Twitter, no Instagram. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Pac saying that, you know, I fucked your wife. That Twitter would have lit up, you know, a whole, yeah. bunch of me- a whole bunch of memes. Been, it would have been, been blood. Yeah, it would have been a lot of bloodshed. It would have been blood, a, lot of, a lot of bloodshed. And you know what I'm saying? So it's just like... You, you got to look at and, and looking back at everything that they went through, there was a misunderstanding. I mean, uh, there's so many conspiracies about what actually went down with that. But only those two men and I guess the people that were involved knew about what was, you know, what was happening. But it affected so many people when you're the media is broadcasting this thing, trying to bank off of it, you know, for hip hop. And, you know, that's just I don't know. They got to. They gotta figure something. We gotta figure something out with this whole yeah, with do. this whole thing. So, what do you see yourself in five years from now? Five years from now, yeah. I see myself hmm, down down the line. Like my curriculum will be written. I will be one of the top millennial business experts. I will probably be married. I probably will have a kid. I will be at the peak of my success level. You know, like I will be financially secure and comfortable in every single way. And I will be debt free, number one. Um, yeah, I just see my business flourishing. My family is also building a mega sports complex in Dallas. And, you know, it's the first family business. And so I see myself being a major part, you know, in our in our family endeavor. And um just being a part of it, you know, just doing my thing, living life and growing and flourishing and, you know, skin, skin glowing and stuff. That's, that's where I see myself in five years. All right. And how can our listeners find you on social media? Okay. So on Instagram, you can follow my business page, Millennial Biz Brand. Millennial is a very difficult word to spell and say sometimes. So Millennial, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L is how you spell Millennial Biz Brand. On Facebook, just Micah Nixon. On on my website, www.micahnixon.com. And also, if you are interested in joining my free webinar, idea to income the link is in my bio on my instagram so go to my instagram click the link in my bio and figure out how you can start you know these side hustles so that you can create some income so you can be debt free and travel and spend money on what you want to spend it on and not just bills that concludes um me asking the questions that, okay. that portion of the of the interview now is roughly i would say still on you but you get to ask me any any three questions you want, I have to be completely honest, and and then we go from and we roughly just go from there. So, uh, have at it. it. The floor is yours. All right, sir. So, what do you think you're getting out of having your own podcast? What I think I'm getting of having my own podcast is having a voice and also a platform where others like yourself can come and just talk about what you can do for the, and help other people. You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like that's the the end game for me. Like the reward, right. the, the reward in it all is being able to help others see that they can do exactly what we're doing. 
Like it's not right. something that's not obtainable. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm, like uh, I guess to, to quote Jeezy, I'm 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 ten steps ahead of you, not thirty. You know what I'm saying? So it's like right. you can these are these are something that you know what I'm saying that you can that you can do. It inspires others, it motivates others. And we're like, oh man, I'm like for those that actually know me and be like, Oh, I remember when he used to do this, like not doing what I do now. So to be able to to get to create a platform, network with people, and met some some beautiful people along the way. Some people that have you know like their their hustle is just um, uh, unbelievable. You know one like yourself. You know what I'm saying everything that you got going on, Micah. It's it's insane. You know it's a, you're, uh, super dope, super dope, and I, I love it. It's inspiring. You know what I'm saying. You know it makes me want to just uh, turn it up just a little bit more because if you can do it, I can do it too. You know what I'm saying. That's pretty much that, that's how it that's how that goes. So. Yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to answer that question. So, so I see that your favorite movie is Lion King. One oh, of your favorite movies is Lion King. That is affirmative. That's affirmative. Boom, let's talk about it. It's my absolute favorite um, movie. So tell me why it's one of your favorite movies. Well, one of my favorite movies. As a kid, I always felt like it was like the first uh, what I considered black Disney film, even though it's played with, right. uh, well, I guess because it's in Africa. That's probably the only right, reason right. why. But, you know, a lot of things didn't make sense to me, like how Simba was convinced that he did the, you know he killed his father as a little right. kid i was sitting there like well i know he watched his his dad fall and well, you help him. yeah you know what i'm saying and it, how is it that you, you could see your dad but you couldn't see your uncle standing above the ledge Oh my god. I will you know, I I'll, I will analyze a Disney film like right, like, right, like why right. is Winnie the Pooh broke as hell walking around asking for food all damn day? Like yes. that's uh <laughs> but but Lion King just the, the, of course the music. Like when I was a kid and I was what uh nine yeah, ninety four. I was nine when the Lion King came out. So like when they used to play the trailer during during like the Aladdin VHS, right. <laughs> like, and I saw I was like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like the colors is bright. Like right. the, they got the flamingos coming out the water, seeing seeing Simba being raised. It was right, just. I said, I said, I want to be a part of this, and then just right. like. You know they got the you know the trailer the trailer voice the trailer voice always gets you into it like yeah, it does. yeah that's I you know like uh, this young cub like what I'm, I right. want I want to see the young cub <laughs> <laughs> really but I mean the music alone uh, yeah, being a get being just into music so much I probably played that soundtrack I don't know how many times I'm talking about the scores like Hans Zimmer and Elton John they're they're brilliant for what they did brilliant. and Tim and Tim rice so i want to forget him but right. what they did with like the music for that movie was uh, you felt Insane. everything like you had to like i i, I didn't cry when when when, when symbol rose up on mufasa to learn that he's dead but i was like but i feel this you know what i'm saying like yo right. he's, he lost his dad and is this is some creepy some creepy shit going on where this uncle is just out to kill I don't know what Disney's got going on, but you know you're you're out to kill children. You know you're promoting a ch uh, child death, and and like how I want to talk about how retarded Simba is, where he is convinced by his own food to eat bugs. Let's talk Listen, about it. He was dialed, bro. I ain't trying to hear that shit because uh, you, you, you get hungry. Like, look, you get no, nah, no. He was used to eating. Nothing, bro. You, I am you a saw. Failure. 
you saw the question. See, the thing is, they gave us lines already, though, because he he rolls up on them and he and they're like, oh man, let's try to get you know get something to eat. And he's Where like, what did he name? What did he name? What did he name? He said, hippo, antelope, all of them are smaller. What was he supposed to do? He's supposed to eat them. No, bro, you tripping. Nah, he's tripping. But what 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 did Nala do when she when she rolled up? What did she do? She tried to eat. Exactly, because she's because she because she thought that she was a she knew that she was a lion. Simba didn't know who the fuck he was until his daddy showed up and was like, "You remember who you are." And that was yeah, the and then that was the real. right time to eat Timba, I mean Timon and Pumbaa. At that particular time, as soon as his dad left in the cloud, he should have turned around and was like, you oh, know what? Man. I like they're good friends, but I have to survive. This is You tripping, bro. If anybody knows <laughs> if anybody knows, you know what I'm saying, um lions and how they move, like male lions eat their own cubs. Yeah. So the and fact male lions eat other lions. Yeah. Right. Totally so understand. for him to just be strolling along with uh, with basically pork ribs and I would and what would you call I don't know I, I guess he's equivalent to like I don't I don't know skunk or the uh, lamb the timon whatever that is about enough meat that would that would be on like a shrimp tempera or some shit from a you know Chinese buffet but not much it's not much with him but I just you know but but overall just the like. To, to truly answer the question why it's the favorite it was just it was just phenomenal i probably watched that movie and and in the fourth grade after after it came out on vhs i watched that shit every day after school every day after school faithfully forget homework i'm i'm watching the lion king this is what yeah. i wanted to do with my, my brother was so sick of me same thing i watched it every i watched it over and over the same day we got it he was sick of me and my family just let me do it and i'm i've been watching it to this day when i don't feel good and something made me sad i put on lion king that's just how much it means to me so i we will we'll digress from lion king so last question if you had an opportunity to create a course online, what would it be about? Oof. A course? It would be about... Because anybody that knows me within this year, that uh, they probably say, they've heard me say this so, like, at least a hundred times around them. I would create a course called Match My Energy. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we, we tend to, uh, again, like a lot of... Uh, people with big hearts like big hearted individuals are the ones that get hurt the most because they care because they care the most so i would create a course on it's like okay it's i'm not telling you not to be nice to to anyone but i'm telling you to be genuine you know what i'm saying make sure that what you're doing is like you're not expecting anything in return and also know when you're giving too when you're doing too much for someone and they're not doing it in return you know what i'm saying like yeah. you're pouring all your heart into um a particular individual you're pouring all your heart into a job but yeah they got you working all the time you know what i'm saying like there's no there's nothing that comes around for you you know what i'm saying you're always making sacrifices for them but there's no you know there's no uh, uh come you know come around for you so right. uh, it's just like match your energy i would basically explain how i would uh, yeah I would, I would explain how 
I will feel like a, is a better way of, of living so that you don't get yourself in a position where you start to feel like isolated or depressed from just trying to be nice to everyone. Like you pretty much put your, you could you put yourself in that um, a, a predicament where you teach people that you come second, you know what I'm saying? And right. you have to, you have to show people that you matter and that you value yourself and and move, and move forward like such. That's that's right. probably the best way to yeah to describe that course. That is a brilliant. That's a brilliant question. I would say yeah. you know that's I'm a, just saying. Yeah. you should do it. Yeah, for sure. And we're gonna get together on that as far as how that can even be possible. And, gotcha. And uh, <laughs> and I believe you. I believe you because you, yeah you got you got everything going on. You do everything. You teach little kids, and you know what I'm saying you got. <laughs> You got you got little girls doing Bernie Mac to you, you know, uh, you know, looking you up and down like she like she want a piece of you, you know, like, you, like Bernie right. say. So that, but um, no, that's really a, a great thing what you're doing for like for the kids and just for really for for all of us now, you know, cons consulting and putting putting people to to put their best foot forward and knowing that, and knowing that they can do it. That's what I that's what I got from everything that you told told me about yourself, and um, I'm very grateful. Uh, for your presence on the show and Thank um, you for having me. yeah for sure like, you, you obviously you know come back anytime like i said i wanted you to come in like be a guest on two cents i think that would be i think that'd be great i think that'd be dope i have to yeah have to figure out what probably like the best days for you because again like i said my schedule is ah it's yeah i find yeah, I, I, I get in where i can fit in but i would love you know so mike i would love to have you on i think it would be good for you you know you you and ebony to be on there and uh, be me and my boy jeff and like uh, we all got different uh, pseudonyms um, that we use on the show. So right. uh, you know, it's Romy Mac, it's Deacon Balls. I'll explain that later. And uh, <laughs> uh, Sugar Booger, and you know, we just well, I've known them pretty much my entire military career. Um, so you know, what I'm saying so they're like that's that's family right there. And and, and military, at times you're closer to your your military family than you are your own. Just right. just the way that just the way that that rolls. But no, like I said, it was a like I said, it was a pleasure. It really, was a pleasure having you Definitely. on and picking picking you. your brain um, for being you know being on the show. And uh, I definitely look forward to being on yours. So um, what we're gonna do is um, yeah, we've already gave the contact information. So for for listeners, thank you guys so much for listening to to this to this recording. And um, it should be a you know pretty pretty soon i'll try to get this out as, as soon as possible you'll, you'll catch trailers uh, everybody will catch the trailers and stuff leading up to this so you know build that anticipation but i definitely got a key a couple key points uh, some some great questions that michael brought out um a, a lot a lot of valuable information that i think is really going to be uh I would say rewarding for those who actually do hear this uh, this content, but you know what I'm saying. So, a business and career expert, Micah Nixon and uh, Romy Mac. This is the interview with Rome. We out. Peace. We out. Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831-19. 
right now at T-Mobile. Get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. And most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait, it's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749.99, 0% APR, one offer per account.